welcome. You're listening to another edition of Paid, where we share the path God has guided us in our everyday lives. Your host, Jessica, invites you to discover how God is working in your present day. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Paved. Today we have Eli the Bee Guy. Um, and interesting enough, I met him through Sean at the Above the Bar um, podcast. And he sent me over to Eli and said, hey, go talk to him. And I'm like, well, does he even have a story of faith? He's like, I don't know, just go talk to him. <laughs> I was like, okay. And so I went over and I said, hey, I'm just going to be straight up front. Do you have a story of faith? He was like, well, I actually do. Um, I'm from the Ukraine and I am going to pass this over to Eli because it's his story to share and I can't wait to hear it. Well, you're going to have to kind of pull it out of me a little bit or direct me in the direction you want me to go. Okay. So I'm all over the place because the story is long. I, I don't think one day, you know, in a podcast is enough. It's, it's just a long story. Okay, so well, let's start where you are originally from. Well, I was originally born in Ukraine, uh, Crimea to be exact, which is, well, now Russia. Um, well, re- Ukraine's almost no more, actually, so sad enough. But yeah, I was born in Ukraine. I was about four years old when I came here to the States uh, with two of my other siblings and my parents. Uh, I am the oldest of seven kids to date. Um, so we settled here in America as religion refugees, actually. Okay. So this, you gave me a snippet and it, you said that your family had to practice their faith underground. Yes. We came out of a church called the underground church. Um, Not a name of a church, but it is how the church was basically surviving is underground. Um, Basically hiding from the police, uh, gathering in forests, um, anywhere where the police or KGB at the time, uh, that as long as they couldn't find the people, that's what they would do. Um, they would hide away from everybody, uh, gather in homes, uh, other people's homes at the threat of getting ticketed, uh, arrested, beaten, uh, or worse, killed. So you were four, year old, four years old when you came to the U.S. Did you remember any of this or is this all stories that your parents and your grandparents have told you? So I didn't actually live through all that. It's stories that have kind of been ingrained uh, in my whole, basically my childhood and my generation, the previous generation. Um, We've been brought up knowing all about this and it's been pushed so much and we've been taught and the stories we've heard all the time. Um, It's what kind of, I guess, shaped us uh, going forward um, and helped us kind of make our own path through the experience of our ancestors. Well, is there a particular story you would like to share? Well, um, the most dramatic, I think, the most dramatic story would be my great-grandfather, who was actually killed. Um, They picked him up in the middle of the night um, while everyone was asleep um, under the cover of darkness. Uh, They showed up, a van showed up, grabbed him. He couldn't take any things just as he is. Kids are crying. Wife is crying dramatic scene as you can expect and take him into a van and he says hey look you guys are not going to see me again you know he my grandfather's father was killed this way um he's the one he's the one who's been telling us the story my grandfather 
Um, and yeah, they took him away and the kids actually witnessed him being shot at the wall. Wow. Yeah. So how long ago was this? Is, was this, are we talking like 1930s or? Ooh, um, this is later? right. This is uh, still dur during the Soviet Union. So. Okay. What was going on um, economically, politically during the time? So I think this is in Gorbachev's time, if I'm not mistaken, um, during the Soviet Union, because there was no separation of Ukraine, Russia, this and that. It was all just one thing. Um, yeah, there was like Ukrainians and like different little nationalities. Like in the U.S., we have all of the Mexicans, the blacks, the, the whatever. And that's how it was separated back then as well. Um, so um, is like there something specific you wanted to know or? Well, just kind of, kind of the history behind it for people that don't know. So the history is, I mean, obviously I'm Ukrainian. Um, I'm from a Baptist background, or we okay. call it independent Baptist. Um, I mean, the history and all of history was pastors being arrested, um, pastors being ticketed. Uh, pastors being taken in the middle of the night, taken to prison, and never to be seen again. Some did survive, some didn't. Um, it was always, it was a constant thing throughout the entire regime during the Soviet Union of communism, because communism at the time, uh, what it preached was there was no God, the government was God. So communism, in our in our understanding, it, can, it can't exist because that's saying God doesn't exist. Um, which is obviously wrong. Um, I think you'd have to be a fool to not to believe that. Well, like they say, uh, it takes more faith to believe there is no God than there is a God. So that's kind of, you know, the history of it all. Um, it's the church just struggled to survive and actually it multiplied through suffering and the constant persecution that they went through. So how is it today? Today, I mean, it's much better. It's way different now. Um, I think China right now is probably the closest thing to what was happening before in our current time. So China is still just as bad as back in the day in Russia or Ukraine. So you said your father instilled these stories in you. What? How has that shaped your life growing up? So I feel like those stories, they... The persecution of their time is what shaped them more and prepared us for our current persecution, which is in a different form. So back then it was more physical and for in our time though, it's more mental. It's more like, oh, online or like ticketing. Even now we're seeing it more with pastors. Like, I don't know if you saw the Poland, Polish pastor getting arrested for his belief in something and churches being infiltrated by the police. Um, I feel like back in the time, it was a hard stance where church and government did not intermix. and They try to keep it as separate as possible. And in our times, I feel that shouldn't be a thing because when Christians aren't fighting for the right, it's like they're silently agreeing for the wrong that's been happening. And they've been quiet for so long and we have stirred away as a as a country so far away from God, and it's caused more and more issues. 
and back in that time, it's like the church itself was its own little government in a way. And they all brought each other up. They would encourage each other and try to survive, basically. So that's kind of what been engraved in us. Like, hey, you don't quit on God, like, ever. I mean, through the things that have been happening, like, even, say, back during the Roman times when Christians were let out into auditoriums and lions would come and tear them apart. Like, when you hear stories like that, it makes you think today, the things that are happening today are nothing compared to what happened before. So it kind of gives you more of a stronger foundation. Is there a specific, any specific situation where you're like, maybe doubting, but you look back on your family's history and be like, no, I can't go, even go down that road. Um, what do you mean specifically? Like if that happened today, you're talking about like, physical like people getting killed or something for their faith is that what you mean by like no just kind of has your faith ever been tested with your upbringing has your faith ever been tested yes um many times um i would say i think more specifically um my spouse for example um there's at least back in the time like i said like i mentioned the church was like its own little government. They had their own set of rules and everyone abided by those rules, like no matter what. But in today's time, everything is so different now. Culture is different. Way of life is different. Society is different. Things have changed a lot. And it, the, I guess the way of life is different. And the laws of those times can't really apply to today because they just don't make sense. For example, like I said, my spouse, um, in our culture, it was a big no-no to marry outside of our culture. And that was like the most reprehensible thing ever. So in my case, I mean, I'm married to a half Hispanic, half black um, wife and, or a girl. And to them was a big no-no. Like it was, you just don't do that. But in our understanding of today, you know, Jesus was accepting of everyone. He was a friend to, to the tax collectors and he would, you know, drink with uh, all the sinners, I guess, per se. And he would try to be their friend and try to encourage them with their life, with his life, so that they can see and he, him being the example. But back in the day, because of the way the church was and the persecution they went through, they would naturally cast away all strangers. And anyone that they didn't know, they would, you know, try to get rid of as quick as possible because, hey, we're not trying to die here, but at the same time, we'll, we will if we have to. Um, but today, it's like we're trying to evangelize at the same time, and we want to put ourselves out there more. We don't want to be the light. We don't want to put it under, you know, a cover. We don't want to cover up the candle. Um, we want to shine as much as we can. And for me, that was a big enlightenment because I understood, I was able to understand what's right and what's wrong. For example, like, like I said, my spouse it was a big no-no, but I understood like, hey, this isn't right. This isn't what Christ has taught us to be. Um, we're supposed to be examples. We're supposed to be loving. Um, at the time when I met my wife, she wasn't a believer. Um, she knew nothing about Christ. And I invited her to come to church. Um, it wasn't like anything going on yet. Not really sure about what's going on, but I invited her to church and she just took an interest. 
and we would come to come every Sunday, every Sunday she would come to church and eventually she accepted Christ. Um, so being the life we live is the example. It's not what we preach. It's not what we say. It's the life that we live. And that's what I hold the most dear to me because I feel if people can't see that I'm a Christian in my, in my life, you know, just by looking at me, then what's the point of saying it, honestly? Because there's a lot of people that preach and preach and say a lot of things, but their life isn't the same. Yeah, that's that's so true. And it's interesting that you said you it's interesting to hear you talk about how your parents were part of a church and they had these rules for self-preservation, but yeah. now it's grown beyond that um, to where it's something that we can freely practice and it should be something we freely pr practice. Um, but now we're starting to get this same struggle that we if we're too quiet, then it might slip away again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that thing that's what's going on is we're actually supposed to be loud. Like today's time is like we let the world take control. And instead of fighting for what's right, it's like we let it be. And it's been become perverted and more perverted. And now here we are. Yeah. And it's, like, and it's almost like too late, you know? We should have been loud in the beginning. And now everything is crumbling. At the same time, it's like, yes, God's, you know, Christ said there's going to be an end. So I guess there's an end to things. So, but, you know, it's a two-sided thing. Yeah. And and there's a balance to everything. And it's, it's definitely, there's so much controversy in it right now that it's hard to find that balance. If you had one piece of advice for someone, what would it be? You know, you could never be perfect and you could never do enough to please God. It's just not going to happen. We're all the same, whether someone murdered someone or you said a bad word, for example. Mm -hmm. In God's eyes, we're equal. That doesn't matter. There's no difference. There's no differentiating. It's all sin. So no matter how hard you try, you're not going to be perfect. But as long as we keep trying and keep striving to follow God, keep striving to live by his ways and what he wants of us and basically not forgetting him. You know, he's, he's been there for me, you know, through everything. Um, there's been so many things in my life that I've just questioned and I wondered like, Hey, where is God? Where is God? And sometimes we're mistaken that God's silence or things not happening our way as if, Oh, God's not working with me. But the thing is the things we think we might want might not be what we really need. So like the trials I've gone through, I'm grateful for them. Like the things I had to go through, I'm grateful for it now. At the time, I didn't understand. I didn't know what was going on. Why is God taking me through this path? But he's made me strong. You know, we sometimes pray like, hey, God, give me strength. God sends us trials. You know, God gave me wisdom, trials. And he gives you problems. He sends you problems. And then you have to figure those problems out. God teaches us through things. Yeah, and, the, and he teaches us through, he's, he is definitely our ultimate father where he will let us fail to learn from our mistakes exactly, and grow. Um, mm -hmm. So what we like to do on the show is to reflect on a verse that has kind of inspired you through your situation, or maybe it's a, an, a verse that inspired your father. Um, 
through his life. And then we take that verse and we design a t-shirt out of it. Is there a verse that you would like to share? So back in my time, I would, we were, it's like a mandatory thing. We would memorize whole passages. So I would memorize all these Psalms, but of all the Psalms, I know it sounds very like generic, but Psalm 23, if you really look at it, that applies to so much of today. Psalm 23, just all of it, um, beginning to end. I mean, it applies so much and so directly in, term, in terms of what's happening today, things that people go through. There's so much people depressed, people that don't know where they're going, don't know what they're doing, don't know what's the point of life. So many suicide rates going through the roof. So much that's going on. But if you really look back on that passage, it gives it brings a lot of comfort. Is there a specific verse? Specific verse, I guess. Let's see. Which specific one? Well, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I guess number four, fourth verse, this one I just read. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That specific one. And so why do you find strength in that? Well, through, I guess, if you look at that verse, I guess, as you read it, it's like, yeah, yeah, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So honestly, to me, that stands out as all the things that happen and to the point of death, like the things that fear, like fear, evil, all this that happens, we won't fear because God is with us. Like no matter what happens at the end of the day, God is with you. He sees you, he hears you, he feels you, he came down to earth and he experienced everything. So he knows. And the fact that he does know and he sees and hears and you pray to him, he's there no matter what happens. And there's been times in my life where I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like worried about paying your next bill, for example. For me, that was like the thing, like, because I've done fire academy, I had to pay that out of pocket, had to move out build a life, all this. And you think that, that there's no end to it. There's no end to stress. It's just always going to be there. That's part of life. But when you start really taking God at his words, like, hey, I'm going to be there for you through it all. And you really put your faith in it. For me, what that did is like, it lifted a weight off my, my shoulders. Like, I really don't care about what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not worried about how those bills are going to get paid. They're going to get paid. God's always been there. He's, he's always been on time. Sometimes it's down to the second, you know, and it's been, and it's happened, you know, and from that, God has shown, shown his faithfulness and it's encouraged me more and more. And I'm like, okay, so why am I doubting God? What's the point of doubting him? He's, he's proven himself over and over. And is, and, that, is that how you got into bee rescuing? So yes, kind of in a sense. Yes. Yeah. So, I was looking, you know, as a kid, come growing up, going through college, you want to find a career. You always obviously want stability and there's so much and you want to find something that you love to do. And I did fire Academy. I went through fire Academy. I was going to become a firefighter. That didn't work out for some reason. I didn't go and join. Then I progressed into 
um, police department, CHP. I went through the CHP hiring process. For some reason, I didn't pass it. All the fitness, you know, the mental, the testing, I was like acing it. It was no big deal. It was just a piece of cake for me. It just came naturally. Went to, to another police department where the chief is family. You would think there's just no way you're going to fail this, right? I mean, you got your way in. And I still didn't pass it. And even before those exams and interviews, I would pray, God, help, give me help. And he would give help. <laughs> but for some reason, I just didn't get in. And it was so it's just discouraging to me. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Why am I not passing? But this whole time, from the very beginning, since even before the fire academy, I was working with bees. As a 15-year-old, I was curious about a lot of things. And like anyone, bees, you know, you work with bees. But what do you mean? What does that even mean? What does that look like? <laughs> had a friend who kept bees. And I'm like, hey, let me go with you. Let me go check it out. And, you know, as a 15-year-old, I was like fascinated by this stuff. It's like you're working with insects and they're bringing honey in. Oh, man, let me tell you about the honey. I used to put honey on everything. I ate so much honey. I am sick of it to this day. <laughs> I can't eat it. That's it. I'm done. So everyone laughs. They say, oh, you work with bees and you hate honey. What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> so ever from that, from 15 years old, I was working bees, keeping bees up to a commercial level. I rented beehives to orchards up north, um, to just different orchards everywhere. And eventually I progressed into rescuing bees because Keeping bees is a lot of work. People think it's like keeping a dog, but no, I like to say it's like keeping a dozen dogs, but you have this one hive, but now you have a hundred of those hives and you have to maintain each one. It's so much work. At the same time, it's like, hey, this is nature. I realized that while working with bees and rescuing bees, I just felt like this peace, you know, it's, it's soothing. It's a soothing type of work. I'm working with nature. Nature, for example, bees on their own, they provide pollination for 85% of our crops. That's huge. And then to hear that there's a huge decline and we're losing colonies of bees. If we lose our colonies of bees, how are we going to eat? So if I thought I thought about it, I was like, well, okay, so I'm technically saving the world, I guess, in a sense. I don't have to be a proper firefighter. I'm doing it here already, and I love doing it. Um, so, you know, my job basically consists of going house to house, basically removing beehives from people's roofs, walls, cars, trees, anything, you name it, anything with a hole and enclosed space, bees will hole up in a beehive. And what we do is I remove the hive and I'll relocate to a beekeeper. And that's, that's all I do. And pays great, probably better than a firefighter, better than a police officer does. It's your own business. Um, you still get to clean the buildings. Yeah, it's a hobby that pays. Um, yes, it's dangerous. I get stung a lot from five to 20 times a day. Um, part of the job, I'm getting on roofs and- You know, that was gonna be my question because um, when we were first talking, I was like, yeah, I was a beekeeper too when I was a kid. Um, right. my, my dad was heavy into ag and he was like, let's do some beehives. So we had like seven hives oh and I think goodness. the most I ever got stung was four times four at times. once. Um, but that was like when I was 12. So that should be like five times, 12 is 60 times. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's much more exaggerated when you're yeah. younger. At what point were you like, yes, this is what God is wanting me to do with the bees. 
uh, I guess I was sitting back and I was just looking for that, I guess, stability in terms of career and realizing, look, I'm going through these classes, yet I'm not passing for some little thing that like make it just made no sense. Why am I not passing? It just made no sense. There's no way I'm not going to pass this. And I was just really confident, you know, God has helped me through Academy, through Fire Academy. I, I hated the medicine side of things. And for some reason, it was like super exciting to me when I was doing it in class. And that made no sense to me. I was like, okay, why am I enjoying this? I hated medicine. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. So ironic because I enjoyed it throughout Fire Academy. As soon as that was over, I was like, no more. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> And it was like I had enough for that whole segment, which that made no sense to me. I'm like, okay, that's a miracle in itself. Mm -hmm. um, going, I guess, a lot of the physical aspect of it, I was used to it because my dad is ex-Soviet military. Uh, it was mandatory back in the days, so we were raised in that, I guess, mental capacity. And we always just were used to the whole strictness of things. And so when I came into academy, it was just... I was like, oh, this is interesting. Everyone's yelling at you and screaming at you and telling you, go do this, go do that, and then calling you out. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is my daily. This is uh, what I have at home. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so used to it. So it's like it came naturally. And already at the time, I was keeping bees, and I was already working with heavy equipment. I'm working with boom lifts and huge cranes, and I'm getting on cell towers, and I'm already doing this crazy stuff with this young kid. And then I'm getting here and going to Fire Academy already knowing how to use all of these tools, already knowing the names of all these tools and how to do all these things. So it was just super easy. And I was like, okay, this, it has to be it, right? But no, I just didn't get in. And mm -hmm. that made no sense to me. It was discouraging. I'm like, okay, why? Why? Then I started, like, started, you know, grabbing what I could grab. Went to CHP. Hey, okay, everyone says, oh, you act like a cop. You, like you have this personality of a cop. And so I thought, okay. I have to get in. It's just, it's meant to be. And then that didn't happen. Then went to police department, the local police department where the chief is family and you have your way in. It's just, your path is paved for you and still not get in. And I'm like, okay, God's speaking to me. Like, Hey, you already have what you want. And I'm like, and I was thinking back, I'm like, yeah, I love what I do. I get up in the morning. I'm not like, Oh, I have to go to work. No, it's like, oh man, I got I got all this stuff I get to do today. And it's like it's a whole different perspective for me instead of like, oh, money, you know, or paying bills. That's why I do it. No, I love what I do. And so I'm like, I'm passionate about it. And like it's almost like your heart skips a beat, like, oh love, I'm gonna get to do this today. So and I realized like, oh, why why would I not do this forever? And then soon enough things started happening out of nowhere. Started a TikTok. TikTok blew up. Uh, got featured on BuzzFeed News, got featured, getting featured on People Magazine, um, getting all these other features from these major accounts on social media and already talks of doing some kind of a reality show documentary. So things just started happening out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, wow, this is just, it can't get any more obvious than this. It's like God just paved it and the success started happening out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, wow, God. I've been praying for it for, you know, a career and you've, it's been in front of me the whole time. Yeah. You just got to, got to accept it and go yeah. forward with it. I wanted to jump back. You said something and about your dad being Soviet army. Mm -hmm. Did you realize as a kid growing up that you had a different lifestyle than other kids 
in your class? Yes. So <laughs> my parents, um, we didn't grow up watching TV. So I already knew we weren't normal, like the norms around us. So we already knew. Um, our, the females in our family were supposed to wear head coverings. So and long dresses, not exposed, you know, skin or whatnot. So that was already different. Um, the way we like we would pray for our food. Nobody at school did that. So we were thought as the weird kids or the weird family. So it was obvious, um, definitely obvious for us. Then <laughs> <laughs> did it did you ever not want to be that way, not be that kid? At times, it, it would feel like a little bit embarrassing, like, oh, why are we have to stand out? You know, well, like, not why not just blend in with everybody? That's always a temptation. But as a kid, I mean, you're not really understanding faith as I do now and what I believe in. I don't think as a child you can you know, possibly understand that. There's only so much you can understand as a child. Um, but now I feel like I'm, I understand what it all is and I'm grateful for it. Um, and I feel like it trained us to not be ashamed of God, I guess, in a sense, because if we were like to hide it, like, oh, like just quickly praying, just nobody sees, you know, like praying for our food or something, you know, like, thank God for the food, this and that. And not, instead of like not getting like huddled somewhere, just do it normally, be yourself. And that taught us to not be ashamed. And I think that's important because nowadays people are just ashamed to talk about God. And God says, you know, if you're going to be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Yeah. And that's why we kind of started this story was to give people a space to talk about their stories. Um, because once people leave this world, then their stories are left behind. Um, and if no one's recording them, then who's going to know about them? Right. Um, so I want to thank you for coming on. Um, you guys check him out on TikTok. It's Eli the Bee Guy, right? Yes, Eli underscore the Bee Guy or go EliTheBeeGuy.com. All information's on there. Yeah, go check him out. Follow him. He has some great videos climbing three-story apartment buildings that kind of take your breath away. So go <laughs> check him out. Um, this has been another edition of Path, and join us next time. Thank, you, Thank for you for joining us on today's path. To get an official paid shirt, go to paid.life. Be sure to follow and subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And we look forward to you finding the path that God has laid for you.